Welcome back to the nationally syndicated Price of Business. I'm your host, Kevin Price, talking to you about you and your business. Jean Whalen, she's back on the program. You know her from uh, the Washington Post. We've had her on the show before. Love talking to her about that, that uh, about economic issues, financial issues. Any long-term listener of the Price of Business knows how much I enjoy my conversations with Washington Post reporters. I've been doing this now going on two years. And uh, really, I'm a huge fan of the Post, which a lot of listeners find surprising uh, because I'm clearly right of center, maybe with a libertarian streak, and the Post is left of center. No, no question about it. Very little debate about that. But no one provide, very few media provide the depth and breadth of coverage like the Washington Post. Really, in this country, three, uh, three newspapers, the Post, the Wall Street Journal, and the New York Times. And, uh, frankly, I, I need that kind of perspective. And, frankly, I need my views challenged. I, I think most of us like to gravitate towards the echo chamber, which is why we have uh, such a polarized culture today. So I'm a fan of the Post, and I'm uh, always excited to uh, visit with their reporters. Gene, glad to have you back on. Thanks very much. Glad to be here. So uh, big talk for a long time about uh, the UAW and, and its strikes, and, and although their striking continues with a couple of companies, it seems to have reached a, at least a tentative deal uh, with Ford, right? and, and you have a great article about that, which we'll have a link to um, in, in your, uh, over at WashingtonPost.com. Why don't you start off with uh, setting the stage for us on that? Sure, yeah. So late last night after marathon talks, Ford and the United Auto Workers announced that they had reached a tentative agreement. Uh, the agreement still has to be ratified by a majority of Ford's UAW workers, but a tentative agreement it means that they're really close to a final deal. Uh, and the deal included a lot of big gains for the union. It includes a 25% raise over the life of the four-and-a-half-year contract. That's a, a 25% raise to their base wages. Uh, there are also additional uh, raises they can get to offset the effects of inflation over the course of the contract, uh, which could increase the overall raise to um, over 30%. Um, there are uh, bigger forward contributions to 401k retirement accounts and for older veteran employees who still get defined benefit pensions. Ford is, is kicking in more to their pensions. Uh, I believe that there are, well, no, I shouldn't say that. I'm, I'm actually not clear on that. They didn't, they didn't announce all of the details last night. Those will be presented in writing to the employees once they manage to like print up this massive document, which will be very detailed. So they just went through the highlights last night. Uh, Ford also agreed to give workers the right to strike over any factory closure during the course of the next contract, which is a, a big concession. Normally, once uh, UAW workers sign a new multi-year contract, they're not allowed to strike during the course of that contract over any factory closures. They have to, if they want, if they're angry about that, they have to wait till the contract ends to strike. And mm -hmm. uh, now if, if one of the big automakers decides to close a factory during the course of this four and a half year contract, they will have the right to walk off the job over that. I think, I think the automakers are, seem fairly okay with 
giving them that concession because they have all said, look, we're not planning any big factory closures. We're assigning each factory specific products to make during this contract. So um, anyway, so in, and there were another, a, n- a number of other concessions as well, which I can go through, but that's, that's kind of the top line. Yeah, those are the big big things. You know, I sit there and, and I look at, you know, obviously the biggest player in the EV space, for example, is Tesla. And uh, Tesla is now in Texas, and it's a right-to-work state. And, I, you know, I just sit there and I look at all the drama and all the trauma, and, and it not only impacted automobile production, it was uh, affecting repairs because parts weren't being made. Um, mm-hmm. It's really far-reaching, and, and Obviously, they're going to be very opaque about what their opinion is about staying in places where where it can be so difficult to negotiate and work out uh, uh, deals with unions. Do um, you think there's a lot of increased interest in places like Texas? I'm sorry, say that again. Do I think what? The... Do you think there may be a, um, an increase in interest in places like Texas uh, among the automakers? In uh, sorry, in will, would the automakers want to move more factories to Texas because potentially, aren't you know, is this a, just one more example of where they might want to do? We already know so many of the factories are already completely gone and have gone south, not necessarily I mean, Texas. It's a good question. Yeah, I mean, I would say more of the non-Tesla investment has gone to places like Tennessee and Kentucky, and I think that's and and South Carolina, and I think that's because the non-Tesla companies already have kind of critical mass in those states, in those right-to-work states. Uh, So Ford is building some big EV facilities in Tennessee and Kentucky. Um, You know, we've got various projects set for South Carolina and Georgia. Texas, I believe, is largely uh, Tesla, as you mentioned, and also, you know, General Motors has long had its big pickup truck factory there outside of Dallas in Arlington, Texas, but that's been around a long time. And that one is unionized. Well, and labor markets are tight everywhere, but I would say they're even maybe even tighter in Texas. So that might play a role in the whole thing. But, you know, this type of thing, it's, it's interesting to watch. And we've seen a decline of Detroit. I'm originally from Detroit, in fact. And we've seen this decline really since the, the 1960s and certainly uh, through the, the 70s. And it's only just worse every decade. The last decade has been interesting. It's gotten sponsors, as you probably well know, uh, particularly in the tech space, who want to see something you know, positive happen in Detroit. Um, and, and they even changed their, their uh, right-to-work laws, as you, uh, I'm sure you know, a few years ago. But it doesn't really do much to change those that were already unionized, uh, does it? So even with the change of the laws, um, you know, very very few businesses have moved away from a uh, closed union shop. Yeah, I mean, D- Detroit and Michigan generally have eked out more wins from this EV transition than you might think. Like they're not they're not really being left behind. It's true that there is a ton of new investment going to Kentucky, Tennessee, Georgia, but Michigan has has gotten some wins too. Like Ford is. Um, going to build a new battery factory there it has expanded it's it's a big rouge factory to be an ev facility for the f-150 lightning um gm is converting a factory from gasoline to electric vehicles and you know so there are there are signs of investment in in michigan happening in the ev transition as well 
Yeah, very interesting. Um, what do you think some of the takeaways are? What do you see in terms of uh, happening uh, in the months going forward based on this? Uh, this is a pretty huge win for the UAW. It is, and the, the initial feedback this morning, I'm working on a story. My colleague and I are just calling around to Ford employees to ask, what do you think about this? And so far, they seem pretty happy. They're like Some of them have used words like, I'm ecstatic, and this is an historic deal, and it's life-changing. Um, you know, that's not to say everyone will be thrilled, but, but so far, what we're hearing is quite positive. So I, my initial sense is probably this will pass the ratification vote. It needs to be ratified by a simple majority of, of Ford's UAW workers, and that vote will happen. You know, like I said earlier, they have to, the union still has to, like, print up a document with all of the terms and then present all of the details at the local union hall level and, and then organize the vote. So all of that will take, like, maybe up to two weeks, I think. In the meantime, the Ford workers have agreed to suspend their strike and go back to work as soon as possible, basically as soon as Ford can get the striking factories up and running again. They've got to, you know, plug in all the machines again or whatever they need to do. It's it's not a, a simple flicking of the light switch. Um, and then, you know, the, the, I guess the pressure is on General Motors and Stellantis to match Ford's offer. And the general consensus is they will have to match Ford's offer in order to to get agreements with the union. And and I actually the gap is not huge right now. They've both Ford or both GM and Stellantis have offered the union 23% raises. And so it's not too big of a gap to get to 25% to match the Ford deal. So if I had to guess I would say that those deals will probably come in pretty quickly, but you know, who knows? There could be sticking points. Yeah, very interesting, very very uh, informative. I, I want to mention again, we'll have the article over at com. the link to the article. Uh, Jean Whelan, she's a reporter at the Washington Post. Her, her uh, colleague, Lauren Curry, uh, Gurley, who's, by the way, been on the show before, too, uh, co-wrote it with you. Thanks so much for being with us. Sure thing. All right, good to talk to you again. Good talking to you, too. And, again, WashingtonPost.com, check that out. Go to PriceOfBusiness.com to actually get a link to the article. Stay tuned for more after this.